Welcome all of you fellow Arcanists out there to the Frith Guild Podcast, where we explore the amazing world full of mystical creatures and their partners. My name is Eric and I'll be your guide along this journey through pirate infested waters. So you better strap on your swords and get ready to defend the seas from evildoers. I'll be talking all things mystical creatures and swashbuckling tales throughout this series. If you have not caught up to the chapters being discussed today, I urge you to hit the pause button to read to catch up. I will be here when you get back. I'll be avoiding spoilers throughout the reading and encourage everyone to send me your thoughts and comments on the chapters and your favorite moments and creatures within. Alas, it is now time to set sail and begin our voyage across the seas. Hello and welcome back to this podcast. Before I get started into the chapter recap and everything, I just wanted to make mention that it is uh, December 9th on the day that I'm recording this, and I just wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and for those that are not celebrating Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Holidays for anybody else if I'm missing your denomination, and just want to mention that, all right, getting into the chapter 15 recap. And the last chapter ended off with Illy and Volk talking about the opportunity training under Gregory Ruma until Volk mentions that he didn't get an invitation from Ruma. To Volk's amazement, Ilya quotes a step from the pillar. Loyalty. Without it, we cannot know true friendship. Ilya reminds Volk to meet by the lake before sunrise and threatens to not go and have to wake him up in the morning. Chapter 16 starts at the side of the lake where all six apprentices are waiting eagerly for their masters to come out and start training them on their magic. Insults are already being thrown out to Ilya this early in the morning and lo and behold, Zaxus is the first one that snaps to her defense. Shoot, even offers her his jacket as he doesn't feel cold at all. We meet Hexa and her Hydra Raisin and find out that she was really trying to compliment Ilya, but okay. We also meet Adelgis. Master Ruma is the only one showing up today and is a bit perplexed on having five apprentices and Adelgis and Ilya curb stomp his ego by not taking his offer to train under him. Well, until Master Zelfry decides to show up and train him, them himself. We learn all three types of magic and everyone gets their shot at taking out Master Ruma and they're all scared they will actually hurt him. Chapter 17, Volk makes a terrifying discovery about his abilities. He can evoke terrors, like make people see their worst fears in their head and cripple them until he releases it. This still comes at a cost of Volk, and then a bell tolls and there is a new threat on the horizon. A bunch of ships that are adrift and not being manned at all. Well, that's weird, but okay. Volk wants to be trained so he can manage on his own and not be hindrance to Luther, and Luther treats Volk like a glass doll. Well, no more worries about those mystery ships. They're all on fire, and while everyone is watching the pretty fire like a moth to a flame, Luther actually suggests to go out and sneak around for evidence. Chapter 18 picks up, hopefully, well, hopefully nothing is locked, so Volk can claim that he just, like, accidentally stumbled into the wrong place of the manor house. Well, so much for that. Luther sinks himself to common thievery practices by going through the shadows to the other side of the door to unlock it. Moving further down the hall, they find the common area for the Master Arcanus. Or is it really just Ruma's? 
Volk wanders up into Ruma's private chambers, and all that is there is a super huge bed. We hear some arguing enter, enter the common room. Well, this is it. Looks like he will get caught. Oh wait, there's a window he can jump out of. But as soon as he leaves the window frame, it disappears. This That is the least of Volk's concerns at this moment, as Master Zelfry happens to be just below the vanishing window. Volk, if there is one time to just keep quiet, this is it. Well, after digging yourself a grave, the first thing you gotta do is put down the shovel. Chapter 19, well, let's get the hell away from Zelfry and get back to our room. But not without running into Zaxxus, too. Zaxxus basically tells Volk that he has been dishonoring the island his entire life because of his lack of caring about others. I say, why bother? No one cared about him. Zaxxus tries to pull Volk to the principal's office, but Volk hits him and Forsyth with a little bit of tear, and they both drop, and Zaxxus retorts with flames, and Luther has to break them up by grabbing them by their scruff. Volk just wants to get some sleep when he is woken up by Ilya climbing into his room with Hexa. Maybe I'll have some of what they're drinking. After Volk says something, or maybe doesn't say something to Ilya about her scar, Ilya is, is upset with him and doesn't feel like talking to him. After a few days, Master Zelfry finally shows up to finally start training his apprentices. Moving into chapter 20, the best way to teach is to have them try to attack the Master Arcanus. At least this is what Zelfry decides. For some reason, everybody is super concerned about this and acts like they're going to easily overpower them and kill them. Well, maybe it was easier than Volk thought as Zelfry falls off the edge of the turtle shell. JK, shadows don't fall. Volk starts to practice on his own, giving himself a horrible nosebleed, the strain of getting ready to use his magic. Dang, this whole second bonding pain needs to settle down. So Volk gives it another go, and all of a sudden, he is on Gentle's fin. Of course, more blood covering him, but that isn't the biggest concern, as a siren is eating at Gentle. Alright, chapter 16, a little bit of more of a deep dive into it. We're introduced to Hexa Deteni and Elrin Raisin the Hydra. Hexes is from Regal Heights, where scars are shown as a sign of toughness and not of damage. Hexa did not realize that things are different with the Islanders. And she puts her foot in her mouth pretty hard when she makes a comment to Ilya's scars in front of everybody. And Ilya is already super self-conscious about this, but... Again, Hexa not knowing how the, the Islanders or even outside of Regal Heights is concerned, that that is not a very polite or, you know, good thing to say to somebody, especially when you just first meet him. Surprisingly, Zaxxus stands up for Ilya when Hexa comments on her scars and is actually pretty fast about it. Volk is actually like, I should have stood up for her first. I, I shouldn't have let Zaxxus stand up for Ilya. And then to make to make matters, I don't say worse, but Zaxxus then notices that Ilya is shaking because of how cold it is outside, and Zaxxus offers Ilya her his coat. And again, Volk is like, "Well, I should have offered Ilya my coat, not not him." And Zaxxus does say that he doesn't feel cold since he's been bonded with Forsyth. This is kind of alluding to a innate ability, passive ability that phoenix arcanists have which is that they're always warm they don't they don't get affected by cold anymore 
We also get to meet Adelgis Venrover for the first time. And Adelgis completes out the six Arcanists that are going to be apprenticing with the Frith Guild and with the two masters, Master Ruma and Master Zelfry. And as they're getting acquainted, Master Ruma comes out and is formally introduces himself and is talking about having five apprentices that he's going to have to teach. And Volk kind of clicks it together that he was the only one that was not offered to be apprenticed under him. And he kind of takes that kind of hard and he has to think back about the whole Luther being his or Eldrin and Luther claiming that Ruma, you know, killed Mathis. And so it, it, it's kind of an understandable statement if, uh, if Ruma didn't want Volk as a apprentice, but Master Zelfry doesn't come out. So uh, we're, we're all essentially going to have to train under him anyways. And, and again, during the, the conversation about having so many apprentices, Ilya raises her hand to tell him that she is not going to be apprenticing under Ruma. She's going to be apprenticing under Master Zelfry. And Adelgis actually does the same thing uh, right after Ilya. And Ruma takes quite a quite a hard uh, ego blow right there. And you know he even states that he may his ego may not be able to handle this. So we're now we're introduced to the three main types of magic. They are evocation, manipulation, and augmentation. Evocation, that's when you create something with your magic. So fire, lightning, something like that, something of that sort. Whatever your Eldrin has, whatever kind of elemental properties your Eldrin has, is what you're going to be able to create. Manipulation. That's when you control the elements associated with your Eldrin. So this is something that's already in existence that you are manipulating. So if you are, you have a water type Eldrin, you'll be able to manipulate the water. Kind of reminds me of Avatar, The Last Airbender, the, the cartoon, and by no means the live action movie that they made that was absolutely horrible. So they're actually able to move the water or move the fire or earth or whatever it is that they actually uh, possess or whatever Eldrin elemental they are. And then augmentation is when you alter something with magic. So you're taking something and making it something else. And again, these are the three core el basic, the three core types of magic for every single Eldrin. Some, we don't see all three types in the books, but again, every single mystical creature is capable of all three. And there's also other things like innate abilities or passive abilities that each Eldrin is capable of being able to. Again, depending on the Eldrin and depending on what kind of uh, elemental they are, will allow them to be able to do certain things. Like I explained earlier with, with Zaxxus and Forsyth, because Zaxxus is a phoenix, and because phoenixes are made of fire, Zaxxus is no longer cold. We do also get a very good demonstration of how large Gentle is in this chapter, and, and or at least how large the shell of Gentle is. I mean, I know we have a manor house on there, there's a lake on there, there's an island inside of the lake with a fountain that's you know the size of three grown people. 
but we, we get an actual numerical value given to the lake in this chapter. We, we know that the lake on Gentle's back is roughly a thousand feet across. And again, for comparison, a thousand feet is, it would be almost the exact height of the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower is 1,063 feet. So that that's how far across the lake on Gentle is. All right, getting off of the, the, the size of Gentle. We're going to start with evocation, and that's what Master Ruma has them uh, practice with first. He's basically going to have them try and attack him and see how what they can do as far as their evocation goes. Addie goes first, and she does actually a fairly good job at sending fire at him. He is able to block it fairly easily because, again, he's a Master Arcanist. He's... He's been through this a few times, so he's also able to control water, so he's able to use the lake and it's the water within it to extinguish the flames before it gets to him. It it surprises me that everybody's very concerned about hurting the Master Arcanists or basically anybody outside of the apprentices with their magic. Like they they've been bonded for all of like maybe a month not even a few weeks a couple weeks and they think that they can take down a master arcanus like uh, kudos to them for having the i guess the uh the grandeur idea that they are going to be able to hurt him realistically speaking they're not going to addy goes up and gets a fairly high praise from master ruma and then Zaxxus goes up to give it a try, and Zaxxus does a fairly good job too, but doesn't get really any kind of positive feedback. Just okay. And Zaxxus is is frustrated, and he says, "I want to do this. Yeah, I want to go again." And he tries to actually room off guard and send a blast, and then jump, and then try to send another blast from a different angle. But again, Ruma is just too skilled to be anywhere in danger of getting hurt by his fire. We see Hexa and Raisins. We see their evocation of poisonous gas that again, Ruma is able to use uh, his window wind to push the, the gas away and, and not be any kind of harmful. Adelgis uses a, looks like a basically like an arrow made of light. Again, Ruma is very easily able to get out of the way of it, and it just kind of keeps sailing straight through. We don't actually see Adelgis' uh, Eldrin, so this is something that we'll find out about later on in the book. Actually, even even just as I'm recording this, I'm realizing you know the, the light arrow, and again, it, it makes me go back to Ocarina of Time, you know, Legend of Zelda series. Pretty much any game that incorporated the light arrow, so Majora's Mask, uh, Breath of the Wild. Again, big Zelda nerd, sorry. All right, moving into chapter 17 is Volk's turn to go up and have his go with trying to do something, evoke his powers. And Volk is very reluctant to use his magic because he remembers the last time he tried to do it. He was on the boat and it hurt him quite a bit. So he's just kind of that doesn't want to get hurt again, doesn't sure how it's going to work out or if he's even going to be able to produce anything 
he's standing there waiting to evoke his magic and he's again he's he doesn't want to do this in front of everybody he doesn't want everybody to see him having to struggle like he does again i can i can sympathize with him because of the fact that he's second bonded he knows he's gonna have to put a lot more effort into his his actual training and he's gonna have to go through more pain than anybody else was gonna have to go through but either way he's still gonna have to learn how to do it Volk is hesitant about using his magic and Luther tells, tells Volk, you know, if that's the case, then just go back to the Isle of Ruma. You know, you're, if you're not going to attempt or even try, then what's the point? Uh, I'm going to, I am going to read a quote from Luther that I, I, I really do enjoy. And, and a lot of the quotes that Luther says, I I actually really like a lot whenever he does have a speaking part. There says the world doesn't create furrows for the river. The water cuts its own path through mountains, rocks, and forests, not with sheer power, but perseverance. Rumo is right. Imagine the water is your magic. You must persist no matter the obstacles. And this is a huge, huge commentation by Luther, and um, it's one hell of a pep talk. And shoot, I, I wish I had Luther to, to give me those kinds of pep talks from, from time to time. And he basically says, like, you won't you won't ever achieve anything if you don't try, if you don't put effort in and basically, you know, you're going to have to be the one that makes change. So Volk, again, is working on getting his evocation and he's, he's it does take these New Yorkanists time to, I guess, I don't want to say charge up, but channel their energy to be able to evoke. And. Volk starts to, and at first nothing's happening, and then he goes for it again, and then all of a sudden everybody around him is screaming for him to stop, and he's he he's at first he's like stop, like I'm not doing anything, or they like they tell me to stop trying because I'm not doing anything, or and then Volk kind of realizes that they're they're yelling at him to stop because everybody's on their knees grasping at their head because he's inducing literal nightmares into their heads into their you know their eye their minds and even uh ruma is actually thrown off by this he forgets that nightmares evoke nightmare actual nightmares so uh before volk has a chance to to go at it again with it uh there's a bell starts ringing basically he's warning the, the whole of the guild that there's some what we would assume pirate ships are coming up to them and it turns out there are just five ships that are coming up, and they're actually all abandoned, and they're just floating through the sea. And so they they get told by Ruma to to go straight to the manor house, do not exit or do not go anywhere else outside until they're told otherwise. Rather than just wasting the time sitting around wondering what's going on and all that stuff. Luther and Volk actually decide, you know what, let's start work on his swordsmanship. And Volk, Volk is very much so, I want to be in control of the shadows. I don't care if they're going to hurt me if I do. I don't want to be dead weight to somebody else. Luther is actually just trying to say, like, look, let me do all the work. I'm, I'm a master swordsman. I know everything. I know I can fight. Don't worry about it. I can take care of this. And again, Volk says, no, I'm I'm going to be the one to learn as well because I'm not going to leave everything up to you. I won't be a burden. Luther does teach Volk to kill fast to avoid being killed because Luther 
knows that Volk is disadvantaged with most when it comes to most um, other Arcanists, uh, anybody else, basically, pirates, anybody that wields a sword. After a while of practice, uh, Luther and Volk realize that they're actually setting the, the other ships on fire, and everybody's at a, at a loss as to why. So at that point, Luther says, well, I'm pretty certain that most of the other uh, the other arcanists out here are going to be a little bit preoccupied with these boats. So how about we, uh, how about we go investigate around the guild and try to see if we can't find some evidence that would either prove Luther right, prove Luther wrong. So Volk's kind of walking around and he comes to the first locked door and Luther says, hang on a minute. I mean, I'll, I'll slip through and unlock it from the other side. And he does, and Volk kind of is like, "Wait a minute, you you can do this?" And Luther says, "Well, I don't I don't generally try to use my my abilities for uh, you know petty thievery." Volk also has this feeling that he's being watched. So let's see how that goes in the next chapter of chapter eighteen. And Volk and Luther continue down the corridor that was locked, and they find another locked door. And Volk was kind of like, "Well." Luther says, well, nobody keeps trash locked up. Luther goes in, unlocks the door for him. And at at first, we're like, oh, this this has got to be Ruma's room because all of his keepsakes and mementos that he has from his previous escapades. He's got the broken window, the stained glass window from the chapel that he was married at. And all these other trinkets and stuff of things that he's done, Volk is just straight fanboying over everything. He's he's oh I know this this was from this story and this was from that story and these seers gave him these three statues. He's not quite sure why there's a statue of a phoenix, but eh, we'll figure it out later, I guess. You know, we don't know what these are going to be about until the they come to pass. So. There's two Leviathans fighting. Again, we don't know what's going on with that until it comes to pass. So we'll have to, you know, just hope that it comes around at some point. And he's got pirate flags and all these things from these pirates that he's taken out. Luther starts looking around through the other locked doors. And we come to realize that this isn't Ruma's room. This is all of the Master Arcanist rooms. And Luther actually had found Ruma's quarters that he lives, you know, sleeps in. Luther does go in and unlock the door to Ruma's quarters, and Volk goes up there and he starts to look around. Again, I love the the mention, just the sheer mention of the size of the bed that Ruma has that could fit three people in, no problem. You know, it could consume three people. Uh, I imagine Ruma has to take a an Uber. Or whatever would whatever would be a you know the the relative term in uh, that in this world what that would be so you know probably to, to get one sheet corner on to the other sheet corner on. Volk's looking around in the quarters and the 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 one thing you don't want to have happen when he's doing that happens and he starts to hear people talking or, or basically arguing down below. So volk is like crap we are screwed we are going to get caught and we're going to get thrown out of the guild basically because 
were sneaking around the guildmaster, you know, the master Arcadia's quarters. Like, clearly not supposed to be here. So Volk looks around and he sees a window, and he's like, "Well, this is the only way I can get out of here. So I guess we're gonna have to go through the window." And just as he's about to get himself seated on the windowsill, the ledge on the outside of the window, he notices that there's a rizzle pelt. And if we remember that Mathis died on an island that was famous for the rizzles, or at least the rizzle breeding grounds, Volk is on the actual, like, outside of the window. He He's about to jump from the second story, and he turns back to look at the window, and he realizes the window's no longer there. And that's kind of odd, because he literally just came out of it. He's going to have to do the, you know, the one thing he doesn't really want to, and he's going to have to jump. And thankfully, Luther actually catches him, you know, with, with the shadows. And again, it's kind of some foreshadowing. And I, I, I just realize I love this pun and being able to use foreshadowing here that Volk will be able to manipulate shadows like this later on. So once he gets up and he thinks he's scotch-free, Master Zelfry shows up. Master Zelfry is kind of like, oh, what are you? how did you just drop in? And before Volk could really even start saying anything, his mimic uh, traces comes out of the window that disappeared and basically was following Volk this whole time. Volk was basically like, oh, well, you know, we <laughs> we weren't told we couldn't go look around and we weren't really you know, this, that and the other. And like, well, Volk, just it's one of those just stop talking. There's there's nothing you can do or say to get yourself out of this, you know, in order to, as I've learned, the, the, the first way to, to stop digging deeper holes is to put down the shovel. Zelfer isn't necessarily surprised with Volk, and he even says that, you know, even, even Volk does, you know, the mischief wholly in, in full. Volk is kind of confused about this, and, and Zelfer does make a mention of his past, and uh, Volk immediately, oh, well, but I'm not my parents. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. And Zelfry was like, what are you talking about? And Volk was like, well, never mind." And Zelfry's like, well, maybe now that you brought it up, I like, okay, maybe I should be aware of this, but I wasn't referring to that. I was referring to the letter that William wrote, uh, as far as your letter of recommendation, wrote, quote, William mentioned Volk would power through his problems not following rules when you thought they were stacked against you. Makes for unpredictable apprentices. Most dedicated and hardworking young man. End quote. This, and this is the best way to describe Volk. He, he's going to do what he thinks is right, and he's going to push through whether or not he is going to have to follow the rules or not. Uh, again, looking at the trial of worth for the Phoenixes, he shouldn't have been there. He, he, he handled bodies. You know, remember there was three people three groups of jobs that were not allowed to participate in the, the trial worth and not only participate but even be a part in the ceremony itself so not even be present for the ceremony it was the trash the sewer sewage and those that handled dead bodies those three groups were not even allowed to be there for the ceremony but yet volk decided he's going to partake in it he's going to do what he wants you know, what he thinks is right make his way out of ruma and again, Zelfry comments on, on how hardworking and thorough the troublemaking will be if he's such a hardworking young man himself. Zelfry basically says, 
everything that you just saw and did while you're up there and this conversation that we just had did not exist. And I strongly suggest that you go back to your room and never talk about it to anyone, especially the Rizzlepelt. He takes off and we, we enter into chapter 19 as Volk is rounding the corner after getting scolded by Zelfry and basically being told just to get the hell out and go back to your room. He, of course, runs and, and quite literally runs into Zaxxus. Zaxxus is trying to make sure that not only does their isle keep their reputation, that everything and everyone from the Isle of Ruma is, is not lumped in with Volk. Because Volk, I mean, in all intents and purposes, he isn't, he wasn't born on it. He wasn't, his, his father and his mother weren't necessarily a member of the island. They, they had come to the island later on in life and then ultimately left as well, or was forced out. The other part, yeah, and, and Zaxxus is saying to Volk that this is exactly why Volk has been embarrassing the island of Ruma all this time. He he doesn't think for others. He doesn't think about others. He doesn't care. Volk didn't care because he tried to participate in the trial of worth. He embarrassed all of the island when he did that. Because Volk was trying to take away Zaxxus's phoenix. Which doesn't matter because at the end of the day, trial of worth is open to anybody that's participating and if if that particular mystical creature doesn't want to bond with you then it's not somebody else's fault it's yours but in a nutshell i think zaxis is more so mad at volk because lyle isn't there with him i've never had a, a brother growing up i had a sister an older sister so i can sort of understand where he's coming from with that as far as you know it, if Lyle would have bonded, then Lyle would have would be with Zaxxus right now. He'd be able to keep with his, you know, have his little brother next to him, and be able to keep an eye out for his little brother as well, because his little brother is essentially never going to bond with anything. So just like anybody else would have happen, or any way this would have turned out, they both get into a fist fight, and then they start using their their magic on each other, and Volk hits. Forsyth and Zaxxus with a pretty good terror attack and then Zaxxus goes to hit Volk with some flames and Luther steps in front because you know he's being a good elder and Luther takes the all of it and you know is is hurt himself because Luther is shadow and he just got hit with fire it, it's definitely going to do some damage to him Luther is basically like look this is this is not how Arcanus should react they shouldn't be resorting to using their own their own abilities over petty drama like this, and and that gives something something for Volt to chew on and realize how he is being a child in the way that he's acting and that he needs to to really if he's gonna use his magic against somebody it's gonna have to be for the right reason, not just for something petty like that. So Volk's finally back up in his room, and he's about to fall asleep. And, of course, somebody's climbing through his window. And Ilya climbs in, and then behind Ilya is Hexa. They have obviously been drinking, which, kudos to them. You know, finding, finding alcohol on the ship within two days of being there, or on this turtle, then, you know. Ilya was making comments about how she doesn't really 
care about how her eye is and she's she's not hiding it or covering it up. Volk's kind of like, well, but we're siblings. And Ilias is like, well, but we've been orphaned together, but we're, you know, we grew up together, but we always just told people we're siblings to make it easier, but we're not really siblings. Volk kind of doesn't know what to say to that. He's... He's always viewed her as a sister, as a sibling. You know, and earlier I've, I mentioned that that's how he acts towards her. She's a sibling. In in this kind of moment, there's that like, oh, did Iliad actually may have looked at him as something different, something more than just a sibling. With her being drunk and with a lot of the emotions going and him not responding quite the way that she was expecting they pretty much get out of there as soon as and fast as possible and go back to their own rooms while they're trying to train with master Ruma. She's basically giving him the cold shoulder. Doesn't want to talk to him. Everything kind of gets kind of awkward between them for a good bit until Volk kind of addresses it and is like, well, but if we were more than just siblings, well, maybe, maybe Nicolin would, would say something or do this. And poor Nicolin being the third wheel in this whole conversation because he's just like, I don't think you guys are talking about me particularly. I think you guys are talking to each other, but he's like, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I don't think you guys are talking about me. So on that day in particular, uh, Master Zelfry does come out and to begin training his three apprentices as he should have been this whole time. Something must have drastically happened that between Master Zelfry and Master Ruma, Zelfry basically he again he pulls those three his three apprentices he pulls Adelgis, Ilya, and Volk away to train with him. Before Zelfry can even get into his lesson plans or start explaining how he's going to be training them, Adelgis puts his hands up his hand up like he's in school and was basically like, "Look, what do we do if you're not?" here in the morning to train us do we, do we train with master Ruma or and it's not an unreasonable question for for the you know the, for the way that Zelfry has not been attending and taking charge of his apprentices and Zelfry actually snaps back real fast with you will not train under Ruma under any circumstance there will be no more days that I am not here to train you that is that, and we're we're no longer going to have this conversation. I'm putting it on my foot and telling you that's how it's going to be. Gotta gotta love the uh, the Frith Guild and their mannerism of finding out how strong and how to train somebody is by just saying, "Hey, come at me, bro." And that's where we we go into chapter twenty. Uh, on chapter twenty, we, we we're standing at at the edge of Gentle's shell right where her head would be going into the shell. We, uh, we also get a, a quick reference about how sea turtles cannot retract any of their limbs, basically their beaks and their tough skin and their shells, the edge of their shells are what protect them. Uh, they, again, they can't pull their head or their fins into their shell. After an awkward, like, Hey, who's going to come at me first? Volk kind of makes a, a, a slight cough that Zelfry takes as a okay Volk you're you're gonna do first Zelfry's like hey I want you to try to knock me off the shell and again 
everybody's like, oh my gosh, we don't want to accidentally kill you. Please don't do this. We we can we should be training a different way. And Zelfry's like, look, I'm the master here, aren't I? So let me do my thing. So Traces forms into a nightmare to to be able to display the nightmare's abilities as well. Volk is haphazardly, you know, trying to attack Zelfry with his sword, but not really, because again, he's kind of concerned about Zelfry accidentally falling off the shell. Zelfry's kind of like, well, shadows don't fall, but then he falls. Like, oh crap, we just killed Zelfry. Like, kind of, kind of like Neville in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire when he's on his second task and. Harry takes the gillyweed and he goes in and he's not showing any sort of sign of that everything worked out well. And I'm, I'm clearly I'm stating the movie here and not the books. Neville is just, oh my gosh, I just killed Harry Potter. Oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, doing backflips on the other side of the lake. Like, okay, we, we're good. Didn't die. We're, we're, we're all good. So, so Zelfry, you know, pops back up. Well, then he tries to, you know, go go with old reliable with the the terror attacks, and Zelfry kind of laughs at him like, "You're gonna try that on me?" So then Zelfry does the same thing. Zelfry goes after him with terrors. This is something I guess I must have just misunderstood when the first couple times that I read through the books, because I assumed that nightmares were just innately immune to all fear attacks or any mind altering attacks itself but it you know it's it's actually quoted that nightmares have the ability to and again the the, the key phrase is have the ability to ward themselves from fear attacks from any mind altering magic it's not that volk is immune to it but he's able to ward against it so this is just another another sign another thing that nightmares are able to do for for volk volk needs to you know, remember he's he's shadows. So I, I all I could picture then is you know reading this section was Lightning McQueen. I am speed, and that's what Volk has to remember. He has to embrace it. He is shadows. He must fully embrace that in order and become shadows to to be able to wield his magic properly. Zelfry kind of gives him that that talk of that. Hey, you have to embrace it. You have to show that you are shadows. And sees that Volk is just kind of like he's slowly making the connection in his brain, and was like, "Volk, go away, go practice on your own while you're trying to figure out what it is that I just told you, and to get those rusty gears going in your brain while I train somebody else because you're too slow at this right now." Volk is working on his shadow stepping, and I don't think he realized what he was trying to do before he did it, but he did. He definitely was trying to do his uh, shadow stepping and the first go around he wasn't quite where he needed to be with his magic but he was starting to get a severe nosebleed like the conversation that he had with luther before about this is not going to be easy and that zelfer even told him that he's going to have to work twice as hard to do the same thing as everybody else so he has to put in the work volk manages to shadow step and goes into the void and realizes that there's no oxygen. He can't see. It's just black. He releases his magic, assuming that that's how he manages to get out of the void. Unfortunately, it's not. And when he finally does get out of the void, 
he he's actually standing on Gentle's fin, thinking that he's gonna be the only person on Gentle's fin. He sees a siren, which is described as a smaller Eldrin. Uh, it's got a magical voice. Um, most of the time, it's got a woman's face with a, a bird-like body with claw-like hands. This the siren is just chewing on Gentle, and again, with how massive Gentle is. This wouldn't even be like a flea on a dog. It, it's absolutely tiny, and and gentle probably doesn't even notice that it's happening because again, it's it, so small and irrelevant that you know it, it's not even affecting her. Then it starts to say and do things that are in really familiar, not normal standards of talking, and it finally opens its eyes and it reveals that it is an actual, it's an arcane plague infected. Eldarin. And this is where chapter 20 ends off, and we'll have to pick up in the next section, next podcast episode. So we're going to move into our bestiary, and we have just a couple new Eldarin this time. So we're going to dive on into our bestiary section, and we only have two, look, roughly two new Eldarin that we're going to discuss this time. We're going to talk about mimics. And a mimic is basically the size and shape of a cat with an extremely long tail. And as far as their evocation, augmentation, and manipulation, it'll be completely and entirely based upon whatever other mystical creature they are transformed into is it basically is gonna what their powers are gonna be. Now, when they transform into and a different Eldrin, they can only use the power that the Eldrin they're copying from has. So with Nicolin being a very young Rizzle, that means that Traces would only be able to use the magic that Nicolin has available. So he's able to project white fire that particleizes everything. And he's able to teleport certain things. That's all Traces would be able to do. When Traces turns into Luther, Traces is basically able to do everything that a fully grown ar- everything that a fully grown nightmare would be able to do. So its power is wholly based on what it turns into and how powerful that creature is, you know, is that it turns into. And then we're going to we're also talk about the siren and I, d- I kind of described it already just a few minutes ago and all that we really know about them is their evocation magic and that's essentially just that they have a mind controlling song and and that's that's really all i could find on the siren there wasn't really much else that i saw on the wiki fandom page and again if we, we read further and find some you know we'll definitely let them know to update And then we're going to do our last section, which is the steps of the pillar. Step 12 is justice. Without it, we cannot differentiate from revenge. So that's the last step that we're given an exact step number when it was the, the step was introduced. We, we have quite a few that don't have step numbers next to them. However, the wiki on frith wiki the fandom wiki that we have does give out step numbers 
So we'll, we'll talk about the next one is going to be preparation. Without it, we leave our fate to chance. And the last one is bravery. Without it, we cannot act in the face of fear. I want to thank you guys all for listening to the podcast. And again, you can find this podcast on Podbean, Google Podcasts. Uh, it's going to be posted to my Facebook page, the Fifth, Fifth Guild podcast page. And if you want to shoot me a message or uh, reach out to me on the Facebook page, it'll be perfect. If you have any questions that you'd like me to read on on the podcast itself or talk with me about, you can also email me at frithguildpod at gmail.com. And I want to give out a huge shout out to the Frith Chronicles wiki page. And I would strongly suggest checking them out as this is a great resource to kind of help look through things as you're reading through to, to kind of help not only keep track of what their abilities are, but they also have some really great fan art. And I believe that the author, Jamie Stovall has definitely uh, added and gave her thumbs up for that stuff as well. Please do not uh, forget to leave a review and a comment for me and let me know how I'm doing, what I can be approving on and share it with anybody, you know, that loves this series. And again, if you'd like to join me as a co-host, uh, please email me or message me on my Facebook page and we can certainly work up getting that set up. And I just want to remind everybody that I will be doing my interview with Shami Stovall here in a couple weeks. If you have any questions you would like to ask her, please send those to me in, your, in my email at frithguildpod at gmail.com or to my Facebook page, either post on there or send me a message on my Facebook page at the Frith Guild Podcast, and I'll be certain to ask her your questions. Again, I need those in by, honestly, the end of this week that this podcast comes out to make sure I have a chance to get those in on the interview. Thank you, and we'll talk to you guys next week.